0: Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about our Facebook group. It's
1: called Self Care Clubbers. So if you're not already a member, jump onto Facebook, search for Self Care Clubbers and come and be part of our community. Can't wait to see you there. The link is in the show notes. Can I start with one question that I really want to ask? You kick it off. Okay. We well, have to welcome into the show first. Yes, I thank. Thanks for <laughs> telling me how to do a podcast, or not. And at night time, <laughs> brush my teeth before I go to bed. Remember to do a wee before I go out. Thanks. <laughs> welcome back to the show, where We're so happy to have you back on with us, chatting all about being sober curious. Whoop
2: whoop! It's be back. Thank you for having me. Sorry it's been so long. And again, public apology for my administrative nightmare.
1: You're here, though, and that's all that matters.
0: Lauren's opening words to you were, thank God we're not married. That was very funny. Yeah. (laughs) I am so happy to have you back because you were such an integral part of our Dry
1: January show and month. So welcome. A big welcome. Thank you. So this is the only thing we didn't cover in our research that I wanted to put to you because I think you'd be the best person to answer it. Are there any downsides of being sober curious? And the reason I'm asking that is because not everyone seems to be such a fan of the movement. And some people have said it's just a trend. And that also for some people who have got an alcohol dependency, they can't just pick a week to be sober. So from your point of view can you see any downsides to this
2: i um, mean this is great this is play the contrarian so that you understand all all um understand your 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 customer or your or the society in 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 its full so let's play that game for a minute because yes of course i mean um, so if i play that for a minute and say well what could be some of the downsides right of of um not drinking um alcohol absolutely is a poison absolutely is poisonous to the body and mind and and you know there are not many good things that come from that but um I think many 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 people going on the sort of a curious journey um decide to change their um socializing mm. and so they avoid their social circle um and a lot of people I think do it wrong I It's not that they're doing it wrong. It's just so much more challenging if you do it in certain ways that that actually learning to change your relationship with alcohol can be so much easier. Let's compare that, for example, like I want to get a six-pack and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go try and get a six-pack. And you're trying all these different things and you never get there. But what you do is you pay for a program or a personal trainer and they say, well, you need to sort your diet. Have you thought about this? These are the exact exercises that you need to do of, of this exact reputance. And surely enough, you get there. So I think it's like that, but I think that people feel less inclined to find support in this thing. They go, I'm going to go alone. So what does that mean? Well, if you do avoid your social circle, if you do hide away, then it's very likely that you're going to go back to drinking because what you're doing psychologically is that you're disassociating from the tribe, which is intrinsic to human nature. We need to feel belonging and a sense of belonging. And the tribe will drink alcohol and your social circle drink alcohol. And by not building another social circle or finding connection out with that, then you're going to feel disconnected. Disconnection drives compulsive behavior. That's simple. So, so so, by avoiding social circle, by not um, getting out there, by not teaching yourself how fun it is. So there's an example. Um, I'm sure chemically, or I'm sure from a sort of um, psychological perspective, there will be some things released um, in the brain uh, that are good for us when you drink alcohol, but it will be tiny, tiny infinitesimal fractions that aren't made up by the amount of damage that's done by it. Um, That's from a sort of physical perspective. Um, What other downsides? I think you know, potentially a loss, you know, losses of friendships or changes Mm. in friendships. Mm. Um, um, There is, without a shadow of a doubt, I would have lost business to some customers if I wasn't drinking. Um, And um, I know that there will be people out there in the world who um, know, and it's not, they're not going to justify it to people because they work in, I don't know, sport, They, they work in an environment where they do business with people are absolutely rock solid in the fact that you need to drink and need to power drink or you need to get absolutely pie faced in order to do business with them yeah that exists and it's part of the culture isn't it it's part
0: part of a work
2: i mean china china it's huge you know china it's huge um you could look at the rural you could look at rural um places and you could say well somebody not drinking uh you know west coast of scotland Which actually has one of the highest increases globally in whoops in um, alcohol related deaths in the last five years. Um, If you could look at certain areas like that, you'd be like, it would be very difficult if you don't build an online presence. Everyone drinks. There isn't really places to go or things to do that don't involve drinking. Yeah, um, in certain rural places. So yeah. So um, but let's label that on the other side of. In reality, no. I mean, if you're asking me the question, are there any downsides? No, you asked me to try and find some.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and good I think like that's that. There. I
2: am. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, the journey to truthfully changing your relationship with alcohol, which I believe firmly should be the purpose of everyone who's trying to stop drinking or be sober curious, okay, because in a way, um, some people just like to have a drink. And that's fine. You know, if you can have a drink and stop at one or, you know, you can take it or leave it and that's where you are. I think that's an amazing place. I think many, many people in the world want to get there. Mm. I think if you're somebody who binge drinks, if you're somebody who is finding that you've had this this day and that day and another day and that you need alcohol to take the edge off, if there's any of that kind of association going on for you, then my uh, word where to you are that this is a gift the gift is that compulsive behavior is showing up in your life this is alcohol we're talking about we could be talking about food or mindlessly scrolling netflix uh, um social media or that uh, compulsive behavior is showing up in your life and that compulsive behavior is really a redirection that there's stuff that you need to sort out in your life unfortunately and that's the work the work trauma uh things that you've got on lack of meaning and purpose not enough connection I've gone down a rabbit hole now. You're never going to be able to speak again.
1: Yes. <laughs> my AI I like, is
2: telling what? me that I'm talking oh, too fast. My, my AI... I was
1: just going to say that when you were talking about the the sort of social culture of drinking, It's a funny thing because we're so blasé as a society about drinking. But if you said to your work colleagues or someone you were trying to pitch for a job, hey, let's go to a bar and all take heroin all night. Or let's go and smoke 80 cigarettes every night this week because that's what we do. Why are we so utterly kind of blasé about alcohol?
2: Hmm. Uh, well, it's just taking a long time to, for the truth of alcohol to come out. You know, when the truth of cigarettes came out, um, and also it was a you know massive public health crisis and all of those things. When the truth of cigarettes came out, and 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 society shifted, it, it shifted. You know, people don't really want to smoke um, is is the general thing, uh, whereas alcohol is still very very much glamorized. Um, I mean, is, this is not slowing down. Celebrities everywhere are grabbing a bottle of something and putting their face on it um and that is like the 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 latest fad so yeah. if you want to be cool if you want to be sexy that marketing is still happening yeah now if you look uh if you look at alcohol consumption pre-pandemic if you look at alcohol consumption in the uk as an example um the uk was 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 one of the early adopters of change of alcohol consumption and the reason why that is is we had such a strong binge culture a binge culture is very public and usually very costly. So you see it on the streets, you see it in damage, the, you know it costs the government, it's expensive for the NHS, there's yeah. people showing up in there. So that's what binge culture is. But for daily drinking, right, which is what we see in, in Mediterranean countries, for instance, Germany, which is the highest alcohol per capita um, in Europe is Germany. That's perfectly okay. It doesn't come out in A&E issues or so- social unrest, right? But they're they're drinking at unbelievably high levels and growing. So what happened is we had binge culture in the UK. And then in 2004, that really started to change. And that was peak booze for the UK, prior pandemic. It was peak booze in the UK. And what we saw was like a 20% decrease in alcohol consumption in the UK over the following decade. So um, that has been... That has been really interesting to see society in the UK change, um, and that idea of change. And this is why we've been the sort of birthplace for alcohol-free drinks, um, and well, not the birthplace, but certainly the, one of the leaders globally um, in in the production of alcohol-free drinks. I think that's very exciting, and it's a very interesting time to be changing your relationship with alcohol. Certainly in the UK, my AI has said you've said a lot. Consider pausing for now.
0: um i would like your definition of what sober curious is because obviously it's quite a new movement or it's hit us fairly recently and i think there's probably a lot of different definitions around but i'd really like to hear from you and also there's two parts to this question what do you think about this sober curious movement
2: well a few things great Amazing. Well done for anyone who's thinking about being sober. Um, And I love seeing the rise of that. And I think that is a tiny, tiny fraction of the market um, of people who are thinking about changing their relationship with alcohol, which is what I do. Um, So, what we saw through all of our research is that for the last eight years, we've been selling a product which helps people take a break from drinking or stop drinking. And what all our research showed is that that's not what people want. Um, what people realise is alcohol is causing significant enough issue that they feel like they have to stop drinking. Um, but actually, what they really want to do is control their drinking. They want to reduce. And Can what I we ask find- a question I-
1: in the middle of this question? Just on that, on the back of that, is taking a break as effective as quitting?
2: Okay, we'll come on to that. Okay. There's some really interesting thing about that and uh, what we've learned and something I'm, no, it's, it's still a good thing, but something I regret. So we'll come back on to that when okay. you remind me. Um, <clears throat> so um, the, 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 the idea really is that, for me, I believe that prevention should always swim upstream. OK, so we've got constantly got to be trying to get people earlier, not not when they've fallen off the edge. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And so so if, if this is rehab and recovery and addiction down here, then we are constantly trying to get to the first moment they ever try a drink and go, you know, what, I don't really want that. Oh, can we get them there? You know, as an example um, to steer away. So that prevention should always come upstream. And and for me, what we what we saw was that people would be thinking about control trolling or reducing. I wish I could just stop at one. Why did I have so many? How come I drink so fast? Right? These things are going on the next day in the anxiety for years, years and years for some people before they're like, you know what, I'm going to stop drinking. Now, this is separate to the people who are thinking, um, you know what, I quite like this idea of sober curious over here. That's kind of different because you could be a light drinker who's got no problem at all. And you just think, why am I bothering with this crap? You know, it doesn't bring me anything, which is kind of what you've said um, about about your choice and what you're going to do. So, so if this is, that's one way to look at it, but really I'm talking about the people who feel, hang on, this is causing me more trouble than Mm -hmm. I realize. Then I think for them, it's about getting control. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing is this whole idea of come and be sober, that is stopping them from getting the support they need. I don't want to be sober. I don't, I don't want to not drink that's not what I want and so they they don't go and seek help they're stuck in this place of trying to control their own drinking feeling like there's no support and that is really what our focus in it's really to help people with this part of control now <laughs> sell people what they want but give them what they need because I absolutely emphatically believe um, that the fastest way to get control is by taking a break, right? It's like being in a toxic relationship with something um, or a toxic relationship. You just don't see what it's really doing to you until you separate from it entirely. And also, I also know that when you take a break from alcohol, you're being given the tools the, the exact tools that you need to counter this. You're given clarity, energy, focus, more productivity. You're given a better sense of self and understanding. You can heal hear these emotions again, right? And these are the tools that you need to start making changes in your life, right? Which is why this alcohol has come up. So the abstinence bit absolutely is, is a key component, I think, of helping people change their relationship with alcohol. That being said there is some really um, a growing body of evidence that's showing that cutting back, helping people with alcohol use disorder to cut back is proving to be successful over the long term. So you can cut back. It's not just about not drinking. Lastly, and this is the thing we discovered. We saw so many people, thousands, tens of thousands of people come and do a one year no beer challenge, 28 days, 90 days a year, okay, and get all of These benefits change my life. I feel amazing, blah, blah, blah. I feel so good. And then yet come the pandemic or something else. And they not only go back to problem drinking, but they go back to worse problem drinking. Right. So, yes, I believe that abstinence is the best way or is is a key part in trying to get control. But control is not a product of abstinence and this is key is
0: and this so is what we see
2: again and again is so many people do dry january or just stop doing a compulsive behavior guys you are not going to change the factors in your life that are causing a compulsive behavior just by not drinking yeah like and this is the thing is it's a gift but 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 really what i'm asking or saying to everyone is use this gift to work on your shit And that's the key thing. You've got to work on your stuff. You've got to find out, you know, if I look at the core areas that we see and understand to be driving this behavior, environment, really important, who you spend your time with, how they interact with you, stuff like that. Relationships, key, especially your key relationships, you know, partner, things like that. If they're heavy drinking or if they're, like, that's really key. It's got to be aligned. Um, Meaning and purpose. If you are not aligned to your sense of meaning and purpose, then numbing will be a part of your life, Right. You have to have a sense of meaning. Um, Trauma, all compulsive behavior is a response to a trauma. Now, most people or a lot of people, well, I, I don't have any trauma. You do. Trauma is in the eye of the beholder. It's usually stuff that happened to you between zero and seven when you didn't have a conscience. You just wrote 100% of information. You made some decisions about yourself from moments that you perceived and you didn't understand. And so when we coach our our high level um, customers through this, our high level, we we have a, a top level program for really for business owners, senior leaders, things like that. And we take them through our trauma modality. I've never not found trauma. And they don't, they, they're they not conscious of it. They don't know what it is. But when you help them um, change that, it's it, it's life-changing. So anyway, long waffle, there are these core areas and you must do the work if you want compulsive behavior. And you don't just want to pick up something else, Netflix, sugar, caffeine, etc. cetera.
0: So perhaps this sober curious movement is a really positive, going in line with everything you're saying, it's really positive because it's not suggesting sobriety full-on sobriety it's just suggesting be mindful be curious about it ask yourself questions why are you drinking is it bringing in any good so is it a thumbs up from you that you is the, 100%, happening?
2: anything yeah. anything that the, the the anything that helps start get awareness of this relationship with alcohol. Society's relationship with alcohol is 100% a good thing. Um, and so that is what I think. I think, you know, trying to understand um, what our drinking is about, you know, that the, the really it's a product of brainwashing of marketing over decades and decades and decades. And that um, I look back to that um, amazing um, uh, Health Education Board Scotland advert. Um, it's a classic. And this, this cartoon image of a girl is walking through town and this narrator is talking about how everyone chews on these blue sticks right and they're chewing on the blue sticks and it makes their breath smell it's it's aimed at smoking right about how it's totally disgusting there's nothing but and suddenly this girl one day just goes ah this tastes boggin in a totally scottish accent and it's like yeah that's the moment when you got awareness of like hang on a minute what are we doing here so i think Anything that helps us get better awareness and be um, honest about ourselves, about alcohol.
1: Lots of people, most people, many people believe they need alcohol, a drink to socialize or because they've had a stressful day. How? What I'm looking for, I suppose, are a couple of tips to help people change that belief system or that thought process.
0: And also, what if they don't want to change that? Well, they
1: aren't <laughs> going to be so curious, are they?
0: No, I know. But what, but everything that you're saying, you know, alcohol is problematic to our culture. It's problematic to our health, right? So everyone's going to be better off to drink less. Yes. Everyone, everyone. Well, that's, that is a fact. You can argue it all you like. That is a fact. So people that, yeah, and what they, everyone needs to drink less. So, and if they don't want to, like, what do you do with that?
2: Mm hmm. Um, yes. Um. You'll need to cut that again, because um, what was the summary of the question? How do you,
1: how do you, how, what tips have you got to change the belief Uh, that you need alcohol to, uh, to help a stressful day or go into a social situation? Got it. Um,
2: Let's talk about um, stressful day. Um, If trauma is the source of compulsive behavior, uh, then stress is the bullet train that drives that um, compulsive behavior into the moment, okay? So high levels of stress in your life, you're going to have compulsive behavior. It's going to be there. You're going to want to binge watch Netflix, scroll through social media, have a drink, you need to. Um, The higher level of stress you have, the more numbing out you will need to do. However, this doesn't mean that all high performing executives and people like that need to go and meditate in a cave all day or get rid of their job or any of those things. But what it does mean is that we should be teaching stress management tools to kids at school. We should all be taught how to manage our stress better because when we, again, in our high-level coaching programs, um, attach this super cool piece of technology which allows us to remotely monitor our participants all over the world, we can see their heart rate within minute by minute whether they're in sympathetic or parasympathetic. And, you know, what we see is we see a, a business executive who comes out of a um, board meeting and they're extremely stressed in that board meeting. And we know what they need to do immediately coming out of that. It would take them 30 seconds to change their state so that they can then recover for the rest of the day, right? What should they, will they do? Be... I'll come there. <laughs> they will. They will be uh, to 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 get that um, state change. Means that the whole rest of the afternoon through their day, they're recovering but still working at a high level. If they don't do that, then they're sitting there in in sympathetic time. Now, what happens is, is people then get to the end of the day. They've been in sympathetic nervous system the whole way, and again, trauma causes a dysregulated nervous system. So you're much more likely to be in fight or flight all day if you have trauma. And then what you do is need to take the edge off, which is actually partly from the trauma, partly from the stress. But guess what alcohol does? It, stops your, it literally stops your system from going into parasympathetic once again. So when you're sleeping, you're not resting. And so we show these graphs to people, which is just absolutely bright red the whole way through. And it's like, look what's happening to your brain, to your organs, to your body, to your mind. Like you are not getting any recovery. This is all inflammation and causing problems, like shortening your lifetime. The question is, is what do you do? It's so simple. Um, So if you look at NSDR protocols and what um, I'm sure the Andrew Huberman podcast, you know, um, amazing neuroscience podcast, um, what they've showing now in dealing with stress is uh, an NSDR protocol is basically a body scan. Um, It's a, a body scan yoga nidra. Meditation. Not everyone can do that immediately coming out of a meeting. Uh, but what you can do is a bit of breath work. So there are two that are now scientifically shown to change that sympathetic nervous system so rapidly from uh, sympathetic to parasympathetic. The first one is like this. It's so simple it's a long intake with a one top up sharp, followed by a long, slow exhale. So I'll just do that for you now. It's like this. Oh, do that yeah. five, 10 times and you will push your system back into parasympathetic. And the right. other one, which you do need to go and be careful, have somebody with you um, just because, you know, it, it, it is, it can be quite shocking to the brain to begin with. You'll have seen some of this stuff on Wim Hof breathing, but it's basically hyperventilating 20 times and then holding your breath on the low. So you're going to do that with me now. Do you want to do it? Okay. okay um, so we're going to hyperventilate. both have
1: over- low blood pressure, by yeah. the way. So if uh, we pass out. <laughs>
2: Don't call it because the there aren't any. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, good point. We're going in, out, we're gonna do it twenty times and then we're gonna hold at the bottom. Okay, okay. you ready? And it's fast. So three, two, one. <laughs>
1: i don't like that i don't like head rush. <laughs> i've got a head
2: rush oh, oh yeah big head rush. Oh, big head rush i
1: don't like that that's the um, old thing
2: that oh, i've got a head rush that that's another that's another reset of this <laughs> everyone's still alive over there <laughs> yeah, that's the We're still, still
1: breathing.
2: I'm it's amazing what you can do with the breath i, I mean wim hof you know um um has i can't remember this exact story i'm going to mess it up but you know he's he under scientific clinical study injected with um um uh, an illness uses breathwork to fight off the illness and has demonstrated his ability to do that this is the guy who you know iceman who walks up yeah. mountains and yeah you know so anyway these these this breathwork Introduced into your day, interlaced straight after a meeting, just do some breath work. But you know, also the sensible things. Walk to the park, put on the the headphones and just do five minutes of breathing or a bit of meditation, break up the day, try and do yoga at lunch. This is how you deal with stress in a much greater fashion, and therefore don't feel like you need a drink at the end of the day.
1: Okay. That was a
2: very long-winded answer to the original okay. question, which like was one of the things. And that's just one element of how you reduce the need. For, for a drink
1: and the second bit, so that's how to deal with the oh god, I've had a stressful day, can I need I just, a drink. Can I just
0: I need to highlight something there what? because I think it's really important what you've said, Rory, is that you're not, you know, the alcohol is just the reaction, is the reaction to whatever's going on. But actually, treat the treat the problem, treat the stress. Exactly. Look at the stress, de-stress yourself, meditate, go for a walk, spend time with your dog you know, reach out to a loved one. However you need to de-stress, don't turn to the alcohol because it's the quickest, easiest thing that you can think of. Actually treat the problem. I love it.
2: Just just talking about that, if we look at those, those underlying things, um, again, let's talk about connection. Okay, so at the moment, your only source of connection is either having a drink with your colleagues after work or going out with your friends and uh, on a Friday and Saturday. And then you want to stop drinking or you want to drink less, but you're not doing anything about that. So what yes. you need to yeah. do is, you know, get some pals who want to go climbing on a Friday, right? New yeah. thing, exciting. Go and buy some kit, retail therapy, releasing dopamine and get the dopamine release of being with a group, right? That's connection. Um, meaning and purpose. Well, I'm, you know, some of the guys we do senior at bank level, you know, one guy I can think about in particular, very senior at a global bank. And he's like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not challenged in my role and I could do it in my sleep. And I was like, no wonder you want to have a drink. I want to have a drink just listening to you, you know, so. <laughs> So the thing is with him, it's it's like what you what we need to do, okay, he can't just suddenly go and change his role. He's built it up into something powerful. But what we've found is that many, most people, okay, so this is not everyone, but most people who end up having a, um, a compulsive behavior or certainly a poor relationship with alcohol and drugs, what they are is they are empathetic. Okay, so they have a high level of emotion and we're not taught how to deal with our emotions. Okay, Our parents don't teach us and school definitely doesn't. So what happens is, is we feel emotions and then we want to numb it out. And so we people who have a high level of empathy tend to go to alcohol and drugs more. But once you remove the alcohol and drugs is you've got somebody who has a lot of emotions and feels empathic towards others. And the bit that's missing to them i.e. meaning and purpose, is a sense of giving back or a sense of hope, helping other people, which is why when you stop drinking something like that, it's like, well, hang on a minute, I can't change my role, but maybe what I can do is make sure that I'm coaching or training people a bit more because I know that me giving back is supportive. Or maybe I can take a second job working as a volunteer somewhere because I know that I need to have a sense of meaning and purpose in my life. So these are all the things that need to be addressed. Um,
1: yeah. I love okay. it. I love it. So we've dealt with the stressful day. And how to cope with that? What about the? Well, I'm going to a party. I'm going to a wedding, and everyone's I, drinking. I have to drink to have a good time, or I have to drink because I feel more relaxed and chatty. And I'm maybe I'm a bit shy and anxious, or I suffer from social anxiety, and a drink makes me feel better. So, how? What are some things that those people could do prior to an event or at an event rather than? go on this autopilot of picking up a drink from a tray
2: okay so remind me because before we get on to what they do at an event because we can go through the list of things there let's talk about the process of changing your relationship with alcohol so um just like any behavior behavior done repeatedly even as a bad habit creates neural pathways in the brain and um, bad habits grow like weeds so instead of just being like a good habit which sits on the surface, a bad habit actually starts to Uh, link itself to different areas, your identity, your sense of belief, your sense of self and all of those things. So it's complex. And, and, and the thing about that is, is that in order to change the map in your head, which has become alcohol equals fun. But by the way, that's from first age of starting to drink, certainly all the way through your twenties, what we were doing is really imprinting hard into this brain through, I mean, how many weekends and how many things alcohol equals fun, alcohol equals fun, right? So that is incredibly ingrained. Your job, is to break that math you must if alcohol equals fun you're always going to want to drink in order to have fun yes. so if you think about how, how do i how do i train my brain to have a different map of what fun is i need to go and have more fun without alcohol right it's that simple and so by doing that i'm caught every time i do that and i go woohoo that was fun literally my brain's going, okay, shortcut, I must make that. That was fun. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. And then later, when you're thinking about having a drink again or trying to control your drinking, you have two maps. Alcohol equals fun, but so does this equal mm. lots of fun. Okay. Now, nothing more so than going out, right? If the only going out you do is drinking, how are you ever going to control your, your, your alcohol? You're not. You're just going to get there and feel incredibly triggered, bored, lonely, using willpower and hope. Well, willpower (laughs) depletes, stress eliminates willpower, it depletes over time, you require willpower for all decisions. Let's say you wake up in the morning and can't work out what to wear, you're using willpower. You argue, with your. you try and hold yourself back from arguing with those annoying people at work, that's willpower. Get to the end of the day, zero willpower left. So you can't leave it to willpower. So all of this journey leads you to, while you're not drinking, it's really important that you get out there, and and January's a perfect timing, because the pressures less right there's 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 uh, the, the most people are not drinking it's much more excusable not to drink so that's the reason why it's really important for you to get out have fun if you're worried about going out where there's alcohol there's still fun things to do that are not drinking there's loads of sober meetups there's lo- you know go on to meetup.com and find um, the get togethers There's sober raves i've heard spencer matthews is putting on sorry i can't mention, probably he's putting on something at uh, at the end of the end of the month so Get out to those, go into a rave, not drinking anything, not doing any drugs, puts a brain of like, wow, that was so much fun, right? So you're getting it. And plus you'll meet some other people. Then actually going out, I think the key things are prior planning prevents piss poor performance. So thinking about when you're going out, making sure the venue has some good alcohol-free alternatives so you know what to drink. Again, our brains operate on autopilot. If you just turn up to that bar and you haven't practiced what you're going to say, know what you're going to drink, then your autopilot will just say, I'll have a pint of Stella, please. That happens so often. Someone gives them some pressure and you don't know what to say. Um, If you're going out with a bunch of drinking people, then make sure you take out the ringleader, call them in advance, tell them what you're doing, get them on side. It'll eliminate a lot of the peer pressure. Thousands of tips and trips like that that we teach in our programs um, so my number one recommendation, it's always for somebody to sign up to something like One Year No Beer um, to support you on your on your Sober Curious journey. You'll just get there faster. It's, mm. it's that simple.
1: Great.
0: Love it. I love it. Um, and you have a podcast, do you, Rory? Is that right? Yes. What's it Dude. called? Come on, plug it. Plug it to us.
1: One Year No
2: Beer. One Year No Beer yeah, podcast. Nice. I just recorded um, DJ Fat Tony uh, yesterday. Oh, I saw
1: Oh, i saw that on your instagram oh, it's dj fat tony doing the sober rave he's djing um, at a sober rave i read it this good week lad.
2: good lad he never mentioned that he but um, he did. Oh, his story i mean whew. um so yeah and we've got some other um really really uh exciting guests so yeah come and check out the the pod if you're thinking about um taking a break from alcohol just changing your relationship with alcohol um I tend to give lots of nuggets and neuroscience and support and all of stuff. This is something, as you can see, I'm incredibly passionate about, is um, helping people change their relationship with alcohol. I think more than that, I think it's helping people live a life where alcohol is just Irrelevant, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's also, a take it or leave it situation.
0: And as I've been listening to you, it applies to every area of life: how you eat, how your relationship with work, your relationship yeah. with TV, your relationship with social media, it's your relationship with exercise. These skills that you're endorsing and teaching they apply; they're life skills. Eh? They're for every exactly. everything.
2: It is, yeah, hundred percent, exactly.
0: Rory, thank you. We are delighted that we got to pin you down. We know you're a busy man. So thank we you for your time there. today. We, we got, got there. Yeah. I was well absolutely determined.
1: How do people get in touch with you if they want more information? So
2: if you want to check out oneyearnobeer.com or facebook.com forward slash OYNB, uh, we're OYNB on Facebook, we're OYNB on Instagram. Um, if you want to reach me personally, I'm Ruri at OneYearNoBeer.com um, or hit me up on Facebook, you know, Messenger, uh, easy way to, to chat me. I am the only Ruri Fairbairns in the world. Thank Lord.
1: Wow.
0: Wow. That's very cool. I'm the only what's Lauren saying? Mishcon in the world.
2: Hey. That's is it, what's it called? A, a, a It's called something. If your name doesn't exist, anywhere. you're not a doppelganger, but a, no. I yeah, don't know
1: what it is, but it's
2: cool. I, I walked into a party in, in, in um in the U.S., and this person walked up to him and went, Tim Ferriss. And I was like, that's,
0: <laughs> that's not terrible <laughs> was like, hey! though, is
2: it? He was like, oh, he was like, took a, took a, took a picture <laughs> and he actually texted it to Tim saying, just met your doppelganger. So uh, you should have just uh, gone along with guy. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep.
0: Rory, thank you. And we cannot wait. You are always welcome on the show. You're an absolute yes, you gem. Can. And we can't wait to have you back.
2: Well, we need to get start booking now because this one took quite a while to. No,
1: <laughs> we'll book you in for next January.
2: <laughs> See
1: you then. <laughs> I'd love to be back.
2: Well done on you guys doing, um, you know, um, talking about this and inspiring other people to do this. And um, you know, as as I firmly believe, I, I really believe this is the number one for people. Um, I think that you know, if you if you crack this one, the other habits are so much easier to fall into place.